Welcome to another episode of the J&B Ray Boxing Podcast here in the Colts of Rumble Ranch in the Chingany Chenchek Studios. I'm your host, Whiskey J, the Colt leader himself, the Grand Wizard of Fuckery, the Chief Engineer, Shenanigans and the Laughter. Doing this episode solo, YOLO, DOLO. Yeah, B-Ray had some plans. He completely forgot we're recording, but hey, hey, it happens. But again, that does not mean we stopped boxing. Last week, we couldn't do an episode because uh, I had to spend time with my honey. With my wifey, and he had spent time with his lady, so we said, "You know what? Uh, let's save some of the news." And I kind of had, I kind of had a feeling, an inkling, a little tingling, a little, you know, spider tingle or ramble tingle or whatever you want to call it. Tingle. I had a tingle, basically, saying, "You know what? This some news going to come out. Some topics. Let's talk about it." And right off the bat, I mean, fuck, Canelo Alvarez. Rumor is Canelo Alvarez has been uh, was off is being offered almost what thirty five million dollars to fight Jaime Munguia. Instead of Jamal Charlo. And right now there's no word. And then just the breaking news is that. Benavides is moving up to light heavyweight. To fight for an interim belt. And then I was like what the fuck. And then the more news came out. That uh, PBC has offered Canelo Hours. Almost 50, uh, 55 million dollars to fight Benavides. So Benavides can step aside. And so the uh, the guy. I think, was, I think it was like. Alexander Golvik. Can step aside from that light heavyweight bout. All this news is coming out. And then Tank Davis versus Frank Martin's coming out. And I'm like, shit, there's a lot of news. And I was like, you know what? I gotta drop an episode. I gotta sit in I gotta sit here in the desk. Gotta turn on the laptop, which I haven't turned on. And I gotta do an episode. I gotta drop an episode for you guys to see what uh what my thoughts are. What my thoughts are, what our thoughts on well, my thoughts, because he's not here. About the latest news. And I wanted to start off by talking about um Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, signed, sealed, delivered. But the news that dropped this uh, today, everything dropped today, actually. It's happening in the Barclays Center. New York, New York. Brooklyn in the house. What is your guys' thoughts about that? You know, you got Devin Haney, you know, from the Bay, now resides in Vegas. You got uh, Ryan Garcia, California native. Both guys, West Coast fighters, fighting in, fighting in the East. Brooklyn, April 20th. And at first I thought, okay, something's up. I mean, why would you take this fight to the East? At first, I, you know, my, com- my competitive side was like, maybe they wanted a playing, f- uh, an even, even playing field. It's neither Vegas, it's neither LA, it's neither Texas, neither Phoenix, it's neither Atlanta. Let's take it to the East where, my bad, I feel like I'm sounding off here. <clears throat> well, they consider fair judging, It'll be even, in a sense. I felt that. Then I was like, no, I don't think so. Why would they give a fuck? Vegas is the Vegas is the mecca right now of boxing. Why do it? And Barclays Center, and even though it has a rich history with guys like Danny Garcia, Earl Spence, 
Tank Davis fucking, you know, sold that event with Ro- Roly Romero. It has a it has a storied history so far for that arena that was just built not even, what, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm assuming Barclays Center was the best place to host it because Mace booked. Mace booked up. Um, all these fights are starting to happen. They're starting to materialize. Everything's starting to unfold. The PBC starting to unroll its calendar for the next couple months, for the next quarter. So I feel that maybe... That event, that venue, they wanted to host it, which whether it be MGM or T-Mobile or Mandalay Bay, were taken by the PBC or Top Rank. Ryan took too long to to fight, make this fight happen, so they couldn't book the arena. And well, now they're lost. Where do you host it? Well, Barclays Center has been trying to put fights out there. There was a period of time where, like I said, every other Saturday was an event. At the Barclays, you had Ryan, I mean, you had Danny Garcia, you had Keith Thurman, you had Sean Porter, Earl Spence, Deontay Wilder's um, one-punch knockout of Dominic Brazil happened at the Barclays Center. Deontay Wilder's life and, life and death fight with uh, Luis Ortiz was in the Barclays Center. For a while, the PBC was dominating the Barclays Center. So it made sense that they want to bring back boxing, especially, you know, top-ranked based in Texas is going to host a lot of their fights in Texas. covid I think COVID proved that you really don't need to travel around to put these fights around. You know, a lot of people will flock to uh, these places. Vegas is a entertainment and capital. So Vegas makes the most sense for guys like Top Rank, Golden Boy, who right now are just going here and there, wherever they can get uh, event, um, venues. Like last what, last Thursday, Jojo Diaz, who lost, I felt there was a draw, was at the Commerce Casino. Who the fuck fights in the Commerce Casino? Well, Golden Boy found... Found people to pay to go to the Commerce Casino. They go anywhere and everywhere. Top rank PBC. They're usually based on big areas, like like I said, name brand areas, if you want to call it. So taking this to Barclays, to me, feels like the Barclays put up the best offer possible with this fight coming in such short notice. In the sense of we knew they were in talks. We knew the talks fell off. They they fell over. We knew they picked it back up. I'm assuming when Golden Boy, because uh, from what I'm hearing is that Devin Haney has left Matchroom and has gone to Golden Boy Promotions for this one fight, maybe two fight deal. I'm not too sure. Not too sure yet. The deal details will come out as, as they do. We'll announce them. Um, I'm assuming that you know as soon as they signed, they were trying to look for these venues. All these venues were booked up, but like I said, by either the PBC, by Top Rank, by God knows whoever, Pro Box TV, whatever. So Barkley must have put the best offer possible and they're taking it to the East Coast. Neither fighter is well known. Um in the sense of the casuals, I wanna let me rephrase that. And so then the casual fans are not that well known. How is this fight gonna how is this fight gonna do? Tank Davis was there against Rolly Romero, packed the house, sold it out. Sold what, two, two hundred, three hundred thousand pay per views. I think the I think the ticket sales were almost $80 million, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong in the, in the comment section. Can they top that? Can they top that? To me, this, to me, you going to New York, it cements yourself as a, a primetime star. Hear me out. Phoenix Trinidad was a primetime star main event at MSG. Numerous times before Puerto Rican Day Parade. Numerous times. Miguel Cotto dominated it. What I meant, prime time, but those were New York-based fighters because we're Puerto Rican and Puerto Ricans follow them. 
I'm talking about is you took your star fighter to the East Coast to basically see how the market is going to treat them because you, you, they're well-known on the West. Midwest likes them. Some of these fighters are in the Midwest. They're in the Midwest anyways. They're based there. But if you take them to the East, this is where you find out if they'll be accepted by the community, the casual community, the boxing community, overall the community in general. De La Hoya was a fucking marquee fighter for top rank, was running rough, you know, running rough shots all over uh, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. He fought in New York, fought in New York, won this fight, career blue. Floyd Mayweather fought his career in the East Coast. He didn't get a chance, from what I know, they didn't get a chance to fight in Madison Square Garden or the Barclays, but he fought at Atlantic City. His career, blue. Canelo Alvarez took the show on the road and fought Rocky Fielding in uh, MSG. And uh, and we all know what happened there. His story is still not not finished, but we know where it's going. So to me, you taking taking that fight over there just shows what kind of marquee fighter he is. If he is a primetime fighter. Tank Davis primarily was fighting around the West Coast, Vegas, a couple Atlanta, a couple Baltimore. But taking him to Barclays Center blew the house off with that knockout win against Roly Romero. And he's one of the faces of boxing at the moment. So you taking Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney, it is a risk because it, the fight could be a dud. Ticket sale-wise, pay-per-view-wise. Because... You know that the casuals or the trolls, the Devin Haney, the Devin Haney haters, the Ryan Garcia haters are going to look at whatever numbers, the ticket sales, the pay-per-view numbers, and they're going to compare to Tank. Tank fought a nobody in Rolly Romero and sold the fucker out and did X amount on pay-per-view. If they can't produce the same amount of ticket sales or even surpass the pay-per-views, which I think it will. I think it will surpass the 300. I think it was... 275 or 325 tank and Roley did. I think it'll surpass that. I think the fight is that good that it'll surpass that. Ticket-wise, I don't know. I don't know. Ryan barely sold out. Um, barely sold out in Texas against uh, Oscar Duarte. I don't care what anybody says. They barely sold that fucker out from from what we were hearing from people and uh, the video that was taken that day at the arena. Empty seats all around. He's not a marquee fighter. Even he knows it. He's trying to portray a marquee fighter on social media. You can fake it, but now sooner or later you're going to have to prove it. Devin Haney, I think they did a... I think Matchroom did a great job with Devin Haney and Bill Haney in promoting this fight out in the Bay and the Chase Center that they sold it out. They sold it out at 17,000 tickets. A pay-per-view, from what I know, didn't do good. But they sold it out. It made sense. I mean, aside from Andre Ward, name another Bay... Another Bay fighter. Another fighter from the Bay. Andrew Ward was a staple. Andrew Ward was the Bay. And he sold out the Arco Arena. Arco Arena. He sold out a bunch of... Everything in the Bay sold out because of Andrew Ward. So, it's been a while since we had an Andre Ward fighter, you know, represent the Bay. Devin Haney, again, born in, I think, Oakland. Ray, you know, born in Oakland, resides in Vegas, came back to a hometown fight to win a second title belt. Sold the fuck around. I think they. I think they projected to sell fourteen or fifteen thousand. They sold out. They said, "Fuck it, let's open up to seventeen. They sold the seventeen. But that's a hometown fighter. You. So what I'm trying to say is that you're taking this hometown fighter and you're moving him to to New York to to Berkeley, Brooklyn. 
are we going to expect the same numbers? Um, critics, um, podcasters, and journalists are saying, yeah, they can probably do it. I, I have my doubts, though. I have my doubts that they think they'll produce a good amount of money. They'll produce a good amount of ticket sales. I think the fight should have been in Vegas. I think the Vegas was just the, the right place, the right time. Should have done it in Vegas. You know, the lights, the shows, the entertainment. I think you could produce. I think New York is going to be a tough sell for some casual fan to want to watch that fight. I think it's going to be a tough sell because, again, if Haney has a marquee, if, if Haney has a fan base and Oakland, Oak, a trip to Oakland from Oakland to Vegas is only maybe what three, four hour, four hour flight, maybe less for people for Ryan Garcia, who I think was born in Victorville resides in LA. It's a short three hour drive, hour and a half flight. You can fly to Vegas. If it's in, it's in Texas, it's a what, two and a half hour flight, maybe four and a half hour for Oakland. You so you get what I'm saying, like, and especially in today's economy, you're asking fight, you're asking the fans, the hardcore fans, to pay this amount to fly to to fly to Brooklyn or to pay this amount. It I don't know, I just don't see it. I think, I think it's it's a high it's a it's a high risk, but the rewards would be great. But if you fail, the there's there's a lot to there's a lot to unfold there because if you don't perform good on pay-per-view if you don't perform good on tickets then the whole lore is i'm the face of boxing i'm the face of this i'm i'm the a side i'm this i'm that that kind of goes to the wayside because then you aren't really selling you're not keeping up with tank davis tank davis is the money man of the division at 135 or 140 if you can't sell out the barkley if you can't even surpass his pay-per-views his pay-per-view at that time not even that time. Let's 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 move the Barkley fight from Roley Romero out of sight. If you if you can't surpass Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia right now, then that shows that Tank was the fucking he- well, Tank was the heavy hitter. Tank was the marquee fighter. The reason why people too, well, the reason why that pay per view sold almost a million buys wasn't because of Ryan. It was because of Tank. So again, this fight, great fight. Two young bulls, one undefeated, one coming off a loss. One's a social media darling. The other one's becoming a critic, um, a beloved uh, beloved uh, fighter from the critics. One guy wants to have the uh, the accolades one fighter has. The other one wants the type of attention that he gets on social media. It's kind of a, it's a very good competitive fight. But is it competitive enough to want to allure the casual fans to buy the fight is the question. So we'll come to find out as soon as we get close to it. Um, I think we'll announce, we'll be probably do with your fight club for that one as well. So uh, keep an eye on that. Whew. All right, next topic. I'm going to do the rumors, but I want to do the next one right now. Lately, I've been watching a lot of video of, I think it was Sean Porter, Tim uh, Timmy, Timothy Bradley, talking about who would win in a mythical fight. Tommy Hearns or Floyd Mayweather. And I kind of roll my eyes on that because I think it's, we don't live in a fantasy world. We, live, we don't live in the fantasy world. We live in the real world. I want, I want to say that. I'm not going to answer the question. But the reason I'm saying that because that, that same day, well, this same week, I also saw a video. Who's better, Kobe or Michael? And that's a debate that you know, has been raging on for the last decade, pl- decade plus. Who would win? Floyd against Ray Leonard. Floyd against this guy. Floyd against that guy. 
and it doesn't doesn't have to be Floyd. I'm just using Floyd as the template here because that's kind of where the topic. That's where I started thinking about it. Same thing when I, when I started hearing about who would win, Kobe or Michael. Different sports. So in that sense, um, I, I saw the I saw the the documentary, The Last Dance, with the, about the Chicago Bulls uh, championship run. And I like the Mike Kobe Bryant's um, assessment of who would win, and he says. The guy taught me everything I know. Literally was my mentor. It is dumb to ask me who would win because the guy that taught me everything I'd be going against. So everything that I do, everything that I've done in the in the court, in the basketball and the, on the court was to, was top. I was top by the guy you're trying to pin me against. What do you think? He didn't have to say who would win, but he's basically telling you. So that kind of where I'm gonna leave it there. When it comes down to me hearing these mythical fights, who would win, Joe Lewis or, you know, fucking Lennox Lewis? Who would win, Mike Tyson or Joe Frazier? Who would win? I always want to take this into consideration. And maybe, maybe this is me overthinking it. Maybe this is me overanalyzing it. What era are we fighting in? Are we fighting in today's era? Like, are we are we getting a time machine and going to 1983, 84, 85, whatever, 84. Are we pulling off Tommy Hearns from 84 and then dropping him in 2008 when the prime Floyd Mayweather? If that's the case, then they then let so if we're doing that, so Tommy Hearns would live in today's in, in 2008, in today's era. Oh, that time era, let me say that. In that era. That means he's exposed to the food we eat now, he'd be exposed to the environment. He'd be exposed to all the vices, there, which there was plenty of vices in 1984, but, you know, a lot of shit's been upgraded since 1984 and when it comes down to certain vices. He'd be also exposed to today's, you know, social media, how every, every, you're pretty much, if you're an athlete, you're a celebrity, everything you do is literally monitored, looked at, criticized. How would a guy like Tommy Hearns handle that? Back in 1984, there was no Facebook, there was no TikTok, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, I'm sorry, X. There was none of that. Tommy can run amok all over Detroit, all over Vegas, and people wouldn't, he wouldn't get bombarded as probably as nowadays where Floyd needs security or certain fighters need security because, you know, they carry large chains and they carry large entourages. In 1984, Tommy Hearns had an entourage. He was making, at that time, five, six million dollars a fight. Floyd Mayweather in 2008 was making almost 20 to 30 million a fight. So if we're going to go with the premise of we take a time machine, we pull Tommy Hearns out and we put him in, in 2008 environment, how would he fare? The real question is how would Tommy Hearns fare in 2008? Would he succumb to the vices? Would he succumb to the pressure? Would he succumb? Nowadays, selling a fight, you're on a multimedia tour, you're on this, you're on this platform, you're on that platform, you're selling the fucking fight. Back in the day, there was only, what, 1984, there was only, what, five major channels you were on, maybe, and out of the five, you were on three? Because the, the last two were Spanish-speaking channels, so you're really going to go to Spanish-speaking channels. You would go to the ABC, CBS, and NBC. That's it. You were on those three channels promoting the fight. At best, you were promoting the fight. If not, you weren't promoting the fight at all. You did one interview, and that interview would be circulating all over the three channels. So, again, overthinking. So if you put Tommy Hurts in 2008, how would he fare? How would he fare? Not too great, I think. Sports science. Training camps are a little bit shorter. 
Maybe a little bit tougher. Maybe a little bit longer. Who knows? Do you, you get where I'm going here? The what if? What if this? What if that? Well, let, let's say this. let's take 2008 Floyd and put him in 1984. How would he fare? How would he fare? I'm going to say this. I think Tommy Hearns would fare pretty well in 2008. I think he'd be a great competitor. I think he'd beat 7 out of 10 fighters probably. Maybe on their and his best day, maybe 10 out of 10. But I think he would have a couple fights he would have a tough time against. If you put him in the climate he's in 2008. If you put Floyd Mayweather in, in 1984 against killers like Sugar Ray Leonard, Aaron Pryor, Roberto Duran, uh, Tommy Hitman Hearns, Floyd wouldn't be undefeated. Of course Floyd would take a couple losses. These guys were killers. These guys were different. They, they were built different. What I'm trying to say is these fighters were built different because of the environment they were in, because of the time they were in. They're built different. It's like you telling me that a, a guy like me at 37 years old can beat a guy at the same age, same height, in and, and 19, 1970, there's no fucking way. The strength's different, man. The environment's different. He's tougher than I am. Just like a guy, so I'm 37, and if I were to fight a, another prime person uh, further down the road, like if you were to pull me, and if you were to pull me, and uh, again, in 2024, and send me back, and send me into the future, into 19, 12, 20, 2094, to go beat up someone, I might go beat that guy, because I'm, Built different, especially if now we're, nowadays we're looking how the way so the these kids are nowadays. They're they're softer nowadays. Nowadays, today's generation is a little bit more softer. And it's funny because now I'm saying that because bet you the generation prior to that was saying that my generation was softer, which is probably was true. Again, you got to go by the climate, you got to go by the environment, you got to go. We were just built different. So when I hear these stories, when I hear these mythical fights. Again, am I overanalyzing him? Am I overthinking by saying, oh, you know, well, you know, I think this, you know, are we pulling him from this timeline, this time, this time to and putting him in present time? Or are we doing, are we doing the opposite? Are we taking this guy from this year and putting him in that year? How would he fare? How would he, how would he structure? I think, again, Floyd Mayweather's worth a ethic would probably put him um, in the top 10 and a lot of the welterweight division. I think he'd, he'd be a problem for a lot of fighters. The guy had a great work ethic. Didn't drink, didn't smoke. His only vice was pussy. Other than that, the guy was a top-tier fighter. The guy was the definition of a professional fighter. Maybe in an off day, he would beat a Roberto Duran, who, let's be honest, he liked to eat, he liked to fuck, and he liked to drink. Maybe in an off day, he would beat a Sugar Ray Leonard. Maybe in an off day, he would beat Tommy Hearns. Maybe. It's a maybe. Again, everything is on a maybe. Everything is on a what-if. So when I hear these mythical fights, when I hear all these stupid questions, I think it's dumb to entertain it because it's never going to happen unless you got a time machine somewhere stored in your garage. Then we can talk about it. But other than that, there's no point. There's no point to talk about these mythical fights anymore. Let's talk about the now. Who would win? Tank or Shakur? Who would win? Haney or Teal? Who would win? Ryan or Boots? They're like, whatever. Who? We're talking about the now. We're talking about the fighters now. Let's talk talking about then. Oh, who would win, Canelo or fucking Joe Calzaki? Who would win, Canelo or Andre Ward? Never gonna happen. Why talk about it? It's not like basketball where you could take not even stats. Like on an off day, fucking Kobe could have beat Jordan by a point on an off and on on a on a beautiful fucking crisp Thursday Thursday evening. Kobe Kobe could have lost to Michael Jordan. On, but again, it's on the whiff of what if, what if this or how about this or how about that. 
we don't live on that. We live on the now. I'm living in what I see here and what I see in front of me is current fighters. Let's worry about the current fighters. Not worrying about the past. Let's worry about the current generation of fighters. That's where I stand. All right. Whew. Let's move on. So Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, signed, sealed, and delivered. I think it's May 20th or May 18th. I think it's May 18th. I'm not mistaken. I know we're doing a Whittier Fight Club for that. The reason I'm bringing it up is that Mr. Suleiman of the WBC has now stated that he would like to implement a new rule that which would require five judges for the fight. Let me see if I got the article so I can pull it. Right here it is. It says WBC President Mauricio Suleiman is pushing to have five to six judges scoring the undisputed bout between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. And I quote, I have proposed to use five, five to six judges. I will continue to make the proposal. We have the biggest fight in the, in the last 25 years in the heavyweight division. The more officials to score the fight, the less probability a wrong decision. You have two judges with a difficult fight. Wait up. You have more officials that blah, 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 to score the fight, the less possibility of a wrong decision. You have two judges with a difficult fight, and then the one round can shift the whole result. You actually mean you have three judges, but I guess this guy didn't write it right, or he didn't say it right. But if you have more officials, then the possibility of a wrong score goes into a minimum. No, score the fucking fight correctly. How about that? In the last 25 years, in the last 100 plus years that this beautiful sport has been alive. We've always had three judges. Always. Why change? Why? Why add more judges? I've said it before and I said it again. I would grab judges, three judges, don't matter who, three completely different judges. Store them in a room, soundproof it. They can't hear the roar of the crowd. You give them a you give them a, uh, a glass of uh, to drink water. You give them a jug, and you leave a TV screen there muted, no volume, different angles. You're watching the fight in different angles, and you score the fight. I feel when we do with your Fight Club. Now some of it, well, B Ray in the last couple of fights hasn't really drank, so I kind of trust B Ray scorecard just a tiny bit, but. I feel when you mute the fight and you watch it and score it the way it's supposed to be scored, you get the better result. You get the better result because you're not swayed by the announce team, which I don't think the the judges here are the announcers, but you're not swayed by the fans who are cheering and ooing for missed punches or ooing and awing for one punch that are being landed or ooing and awing for just a guy that's running around, or I'm sorry, walking around or boxing. You're not ooing and on that. You put a screen, you let them watch it. And then they enter the scores, and the scores are sent directly to the commission, the commission start, and the commission tallies up each individual score and then hands it to the hands it to the ref, then hands it to the announcer to announce the winner of the fight. Again, when we do with your fight club, we're muting the fight. We mute the fight. B Ray's calling it. B Ray B Ray may have that day, depending on the day, is a preferred maybe you know, might prefer a, a, an aggressor. He might score towards an aggressor. Their day, maybe he might be in the, he might be in a boxing mood and he might score for the boxer. But he's scoring on the criteria of the boxing uh, so, uh, boxing rules, clean, clean and effective punches, ring generalship, and and defense. You know, all that stuff. 
There's no need for five to six. All you're doing is just making it worse. You're just adding more. You're adding too many chefs to the kitchen. There's only too many hands in there. You know, if boxing's already a dirty sport as it is, you're adding more people. Like, we already ridiculed the first. We already ridiculed three. You're going to add another three? No. Again, my always my 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 thing is seclude the three judges from the audience. Put them in a soundproof room, TV, little bit of lighting, and have them watch the fight. Have them score the fight as it goes. Different angles from the TV crew. Because you can't fuck up. You can't fuck up a camera. Like the camera's going different angles, capturing everything. There are times I'm watching the fight. Sometimes I'm watching the fight, and I know that that there's a punch that was landed. And I don't hear the announce team calling it. And then I remember the announce team is positioned in a certain way where I don't think they're seeing it. But then when I when I watch behind the scenes like All Access or or you know anything behind the scenes, I see that the the announcers have a monitor there. So they're watching the fight live in front of them, but they're also looking at the monitor. But it's kind of hard to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I get that. But for a judge, you're having a judge in three separate locations, three um, four sides of the ring, they're in three of those parts of the ring. You know, one side's for the announcers, and then the left side's for one judge, right side's for one, for another judge, and across the ring, the other judge. They're all looking, each or each one of them is looking at the fight in a different angle, and you're asking him to judge it on the criteria of boxing. Again, think of it this way. How beautifully would it be? You put them in a room, you put the TV you don't put no, no caption, no nothing. You put the TV on mute, and they watch the fight. How many of the how many or how many decisions would be overturned on just the the beauty of them scoring the fight the way it is? How many times have you guys seen punches land and you don't hear the announce team even score it? How many times have you seen that? How many times have we have we seen fights that you know what it should have gone that way because you know what this guy all he was doing was just moving in circles, moving in circles. Yeah, the guy must have missed it. In a, in a, like, perfect example, Tiafimo Lopez versus Jermaine Ortiz. Jermaine Ortiz circled the ring for full three minutes. Maybe out of the, maybe out of those three minutes, he did like a 10 second, one, two, three clean punches, and then circled the rest of the time. Do you score that, or do you score the guy with the last 15 seconds lands something meaningful, forces it, forces it into a fight? You know, again, how do you score that? Do you score the guy who was just, you know, moving around the ring, dancing, making the guy miss, but not making him pay? Or do you score to the guy that finally decided to bite down on his mouthpiece and say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take the fight to him. And he lands maybe two or one or two of the, the most significant punches in that round. That makes you forget that the that the Jermaine Ortiz landed maybe a jab, maybe landed a nice check hook on the way in. Maybe you forget that because this guy had done had done just enough to make you remember that he did something more meaningful than the last guy, than the guy did the last three minutes of that round. Now imagine watching that on the screen and watching the guy move around, move around, move around. And there are times I saw Tio Villamo Lopez. People go, oh, he kept missing, he kept whiffing. There are moments that Tio landed some shots. There, there were moments that Tio landed some body shots. There were moments that Jermaine Ortiz landed some body shots. I didn't hear the announce team talk about that. Maybe that maybe that's why one judge scored it for Ortiz. Maybe that's why another another judge scored it for that way. Because the way the way the fight was being angled, you're just watching it from a. Put yourself in this shoes. You're literally two, three feet away from the ring, and you're looking up, and you're moving around with these guys in the ring watching it. You can't get up and go around to go see how that fight's going on the other side. You have to sit your fucking ass down and watch the fight where it's at. Tell me you'll be able to score that. 
us as us as fans are able to give our scorecards or able to give you completely different scores than what the refs are giving you the judges are giving you because we're watching the fight on tv and the the and, and the, the production crew are giving you different angles. There's so many cameras on ringside. You're getting the angles on every side. You're getting the wide view. You're getting the left side. You're getting the right side. You're getting the overhead view. You're getting every single view of this fucking fight. You're getting a better view than the judges who are there ringside. And we're asking them to score the fight. So, Mr. Suleiman, if you're hearing or anybody from the WBC, why don't, instead of asking six, three, or six, five to six other morons to score with you, why don't you seclude them in a room and why come watch the telecast? Again, no caption or nothing or a private feed for them to watch and have them score the fight. Best believe that is the best thing for boxing. If we're going to evolve from the sport, it is doing that. It's shutting off the announced team, shutting off the crowd, and making these, making these people, making these judges who are supposed to be competent, who are supposed to be knowledgeable in the sport, score the fight the way it's supposed to be scored. You don't score with your eye. You don't score with your ears. You score with your eyes. That was what uh, Steve Har- Steve Farhu said in the Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. The mistake that people do is they score with their ears, not their eyes. All right. Whew. All right, let's get into the first topic, which is the rumor. Hold on. Let's see what's up. Uh, Rancio Ramos like the post Hell yeah Shout out to Jose Ramos He'll be doing an episode with me Of uh, Rambling Alcoholics uh, Tomorrow night Or for you guys listening Today in the morning What's well, tonight There you go Alright WB Lightweight Championship It says Javante uh, St. Damage Is set to fight Frank uh, Martin That's what sources say Mike Carmage put Frank Martin And Javante uh, Davis Have struck a deal This is according To Mike Carmage Davis one of the boxing stars Complete blah blah Matchup with headline PBC and Prime Video pay-per-view. Uh, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be late May, early June. I prefer the Ryo fight, actually. If he's going to make a comeback. He hasn't fought. April will be the last time he fought. I doubt he's going to fight in April. If he fights around May or June, it makes sense. Ryo makes the most sense. By that time, you know, people, oh, you can fight Haney. Hey, you can fight Ryan. You fight rematch. Well, the guys are tied up. They don't think they're going to happen. Teal could, yeah, you can fight Teal. But I don't think Teal's going to want to rush into that fight right now after a poor performance like he did against Jermaine Ortiz. He can fight Shakur. And I think that's the most viable fight. He could fight Shakur. Shakur has a belt. He has a belt. Unification. That's a that's a feasible fight to make. But I think Shakur Stevenson goes to the school of finance of uh, in the schools called the the Bud Crawford, Terrence Bud Crawford School of Financing. And I think he would price himself out. I think he thinks he's that much of a that much of a of heavy hitter that he can pull this one and say, you know what, I deserve this type of money. Uh, if you guys heard that was my neck. Oh, I didn't bring water, so I'm like getting dry mouth. I think that Shakur thinks that that's why it didn't happen. I think Frank Martin is not bad. He's a top ten but I would actually go with Ryo. I think it's a more entertaining fight. I think if, you know, if we're selling this, we're selling it as a, we're selling Tank as a, as a entertainer, not, the, not as a, as a legendary fighter. It's sad to say. And let's get into it. <clears throat> let's get into the division here. We have Keyshawn Davis. 
I doubt he'll fight Keyshawn. I think Keyshawn's trying to navigate a Teal fight. Um, Raymond Martula, he's fighting March. You know, he's tied up. He's fighting Quintana on, on March. Frank Varnon is not fighting anybody. He last fought in July of last year. Isaac Cruz is tied up. Camboza is tied up. William Cepeda is tied up. Shakur, I already told you why. Lomachenko is tied up. So it doesn't make any sense. And if you go into 140, a lot of these fighters, yeah, Jack Catterall and Josh Taylor tied up. Progate hasn't fought. Progate's not a bad fight, but I don't think you want a Haney left over. Ramirez is a good fight, but that would require PBC and uh, Golden Boy to work together again, and I don't know if they want to combine forces, but I might. that might be different, Then I'll, I'll explain why later. Yeah, I don't see anybody. And I'm looking up from 135 to 140. I'm not going to look at 130 pounders. And you know, I'm not going to look at 147. I thought it was pretty ridiculous that people were entertaining Conor Ben. First of all, Conor Ben is just another European tomato can. Another Euro can. Tank would have mopped the floor with him. I'm sorry. I'm, I said it. It's not entertaining. $15 million for this fight. Well, no, not entertaining at all. Um, I hope he's not true. I hope he fights Ryo. I think at least, at least Ryo's coming off two win, two back to back entertaining fights against um, jeez, what was that kid's name? Should I remember the kid's name? Um, Jesus, you would think I know his name, right? But uh, yeah, he's coming off two good wins. I think it makes sense to fight someone like Tank. He's also, he won by knockout. Devast- he won in a fucking great knockout win. Why not give him a Tank fight? And for Tank, you can sell it as, look, you know, he just got out of prison. He just got the ankle model removed, ankle monitor removed. It makes sense to take a soft touch. After this, we're going to be looking at, you know, uh, Sabriel Matisse. We're looking at Tio. We're looking at this. And that would appease the fan. I think, I think if, if this is a warm-up fight for the bigger fights, then I think a lot of the fans would be okay with this. But if this is just you spoon-feeding us bull- bullshit or just shit, then, of course, they're going to fight you off. Of course, they're going to fight you off. So, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think he's going to fight Frank Martin. I actually don't think that. I think it's going to be... I think it's Ryo. I think Ryo just makes the most sense. I think... And, and it makes the most sense because... Again, it's not what you've done; it's what you've done lately. At least this other, at least Ryu has some a fight in July. But if you're smart enough and you start, you know, rebroadcasting it or making it into an Instagram, a TikTok reel, people are gonna remember that knockout win. People remember you leaping in there, knocking that guy almost out of the ring, and then people are gonna be like, "Damn, that fool should fight Tank." Again, you gotta play social media. You gotta play the game. So, I think that. All right. Last topic, we're moving into it, and then so it says Canelo Alvarez has has not shown has has now shut down the the potential to fight Terence Crawford, and said it won't be happening next. I have everything to lose and nothing to gain against fighting the Bud Crawford. If I win, they'll say, "Oh, he was too small." This is what the interview he did with Tevesteca, Boxesteca, or Tevesteca. <sighs> My bad. I should have brought water. I don't know why I didn't bring fucking water. And I don't want whiskey because it's just going to make it worse. I'm trying to figure out. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. We're back. When do we get my water? 
so again, we're going to the him commenting about him fighting Terrence Crawford. He said he was too small. I think he's entertaining that fight. I think I think he's entertaining it, but I don't think the PBC would pay for it. I don't think it's a it's not a it's not a big money fight. It's just not. I'm sorry. I I'd be hearing people, oh, you know, Crawford Canelo's a big money fight. No, it's not. Nobody's asking for it. Nobody, not a casual fan's asking for it. I don't hear Stephen A. Smith asking, oh, I want to see Crawford versus Canelo. Nobody. Nobody's asking for it. I can see the Saudi prince, the Saudis, asking for it. They're known for paying a stupid amount of money for just fights they want to just see. That piques their interest, that tingles their, their spidey senses, their boxing senses. I can see them paying for it. Canelo and Eddie Reynoso both made it known that they don't mind going to Saudi Arabia and fighting. So maybe is that like a, a little wink-wink to the Sheik and tell him if you offer me a good amount of money, I'll fly out there and fight Terrence Crawford? Is that what he's trying to say? Who knows? Who knows, but I think that's what it is. I think he'll fight there. My original theory, and I told this to Gabe, shout out to Carnitas King, and I told him my original theory was this. And I was going to talk about it last week, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because now it's going to—it's kind of sort of blowing up in my face in a sense. Even though Canelo has not conf- confirmed or denied, my deal, my my ideal thing was this: Canelo has maybe four fights left in him, four or five, give or take. He has a three-fight deal with the PBC. He fought Jamal last year in September. I said he fights Jamal in May. Fights Ben and beat it in September. Or vice versa. But I said, Benavides makes the most sense to fight at the end of your contract because it's in a sell. You can sell Legion Stadium. It'll do one million buys. And the reason I said that is because I said, as soon as he's done, as soon as he's done with the PBC, he's going to call up his friend Eddie Hearn and say, Eddie, set up talks with the zone. Let's set up another deal. And he would have signed another three-fight deal. Another three-fight deal. It would now the zone. And this is the fighter that I said he would fight in the zone. He would have fought Jaime Mungia. He would have fought Edward, uh, Edgar Baranga, depending if he wins this weekend. And then he would have capped off his career. After defending his super middleweight belt, he would have jumped. He would have he would have jumped off life heavyweight because he was not going to dip in. He was not going to dip his toes back at light heavyweight. And he would have fought at cruiserweight. Now, the I didn't think of Cruiserweight until Gay, uh, Carnitas King brought it up to me. But then I go, you know what? It makes sense. You go up to Cruiserweight and you fight for a belt. And you become a what? what 154, 160, 168, 175. You would have become a five-time world champion in five different divisions. And you would have been maybe, what, the second or the first ever Mexican? Well, first Mexican, actually, to win five world title belts in five different divisions. Not only that. You would have been the first ever Mexican in a lower weight class to move as far as up to a cruiserweight to win those belts. He would have cemented his legacy as maybe one of the best Mexican fighters out there. He would have been in the Mexican route, was it Mount Rushmore? I don't know if Mexican has a route. No, they don't have one. But whatever mountain you guys have and whatever you guys put all these great Mexican great fighters, Canelo would have been up there. Or at least been up for consideration. That's the way I was kind of figuring it was going to go. I go, you know what? I think that's going to be the next thing. I know it. Even Carlitos King goes, that could be the thing. 
maybe, but even Carnitas King was kind of skeptical. And I was kind of like, nope, I just think that Canelo, he'd rather do Jamal, he'd rather give a shit that it's a thud, and then finish off his PBC contract with Benavides and make a shit ton of money, pay-per-view sales, break records, and then show his own. I Look at me. I'm at this age where everyone thinks I'm over the hill, I'm starting to decline. I still pack. I'm still the money man. Pay me what I'm worth. And believe me, the zone who needs the money would have un- would have literally backed up a brakes truck to the back of his house. In front of himself. My drinking water. But then this theory of mine went up in smoke. Now PBC is not known for Going to social media, talking about their business. So, and neither is Canelo or Eddie. Except for this this past week when there were Tevasteca, but that was just to announce their deal of exclusivity again with Tevasteca. Other than that, you don't hear Canelo doing a lot of interviews on Fight High, Fight News, Ellie Setback, Boxing Voice. You name it, they're never there. Same thing with Al Heyman. Promoters, Al Heyman, associates, let's call them. You don't hear a lot of rumble from those guys. So this is from Michael Benson. <sighs> Sorry, I gotta try and catch my breath. It says Al Heyman's PBC has reportedly ready to pay Canelo Alvarez a, his guaranteed purse, said to be around thirty-five mil, to fight Jaime Munguia on May fourth. If not, he insists on Jamal Charlo. It is claimed that PBC believed that a fight with Munguia would sell better. This is according to ESPN Mexico, which then is being reposted by Michael Benson. So I heard him, Jaime Munguia, and I go, Jaime Munguia, why would the PBC be open to flirting and mending or building a bridge with Golden Boy Promotions, who has a great relationship with the zone? They know fucking with Golden Boy means they're fucking with the zone. Why would they do that? I don't believe it. I go, I didn't believe it. I started thinking about it more. HBO's gone down. Sorry about that. Showtime is gone. ESPN is still in the game, but, you know, there's some, you know, they still fuck with Top Rank. Top Rank still got maybe another couple years left. The zone is the zone. Thriller, listen, they never started. BLK Prime, shit. They're somewhere. What do you do? The business model is broken for the PBC, which was throw on whatever fight and the network will pay for it because they want to be in the boxing business. Prime wants to be in the business. Amazon wants to be in the business. Most definitely want to be in the business. They wouldn't have... They wouldn't have brought in, they wouldn't have teamed up with Al Heyman and the PBC not to showcase their fights. But I think the business model is different because they don't longer have the check, they don't have a blank checkbook like they did with Steven Espinosa. With Steven Espinosa, they milked him for everything he got. You know, PBC did the same thing with HBO, with Floyd Mayweather, with Keith Thurman, with uh, Andre Berto. Jeez, how many fights did Berto have? Against nobodies. Or against a low-ranked fighter. I won't say nobody. No disrespect. How many fights did Keith Thurman have before we saw Keith Thurman start stepping up his game? 
Floyd Mayweather, Jesus, at least he fought name brand top level fighters. What killed HBO was that HBO wanted to be in the boxing business, but was lowballing the fighters that they shouldn't have lowballed and gave more money to the fighters that they felt were going to be the face of boxing for the next 10 years. Like Manny Pacquiao, but Pacquiao gave you Brandon Rios, gave you, um, was it Chris uh, Algieri? He gave you Jesse Vargas, gave you Timmy three times. Floyd at least gave you Robert Guerrero, Maidana, Canelo, and I think, you know, uh, and Pacquiao at the end. You know what I mean? But gave you good fight. You put on Timothy Bradley's against Brandon Rios, against uh, Jesus, Var- uh, Jesus Chavez. You put on those type of fights. You wanted to be in the boxing business, but you forgot how, t- you forgot that the promoters need you to broadcast. You, the business model became no longer the networks need need fighters to put fights on on their networks, and promoters need to showcase their fighters. It became more of HBO wanted to be in the boxing business so bad they'll put any fucking fight on TV, and the fighters' purses just became ridiculous and ridiculous and ridiculous, and it's kind of hard to put it on premium cable. Without no sponsorships. You can't put commercials. You can't put this. You can't put that. So you're going to have to fork it over. So some of these fights became pay-per-views. And pay-per-view only pay- pay-per-view is just a short-term pay. It's not a long-term pay. But again, this is the, I'm not going to go into semantics of the business. But the business model changed. When, HP, when HBO went down, Showtime did the same thing. They were just putting on fights after fights after fights. You name it. When, the, when PBC went to Showtime, you were getting fights after fights after fights after fights. Showtime couldn't couldn't flip the bill anymore. So then, of course, Al Heyman got NBC. NBC flipped the bill for a couple fights. NBC said, eh, "I don't. I want. I want the Floyd Mayweather. I I want a Canelo Alvarez. I I don't want a Keith Thurman. I don't want a Sean Porter. Like who the fuck? But I'm assuming they were selling the whole. Oh, I can get you those fights, but you don't. Why don't you put this guy on? How about you put this guy on? So NBC, CBS said, "Now nah, we're done. We're out of the boxing business." They suckered Fox. Fox got at least Spence. They got they got Deontay Wilder. They got a little bit worth it, but but on pay per view they didn't get real good fights. Like you know, I think they were promised. So even Fox said we're out. By that time, Showtime said I'm good, we're out, and they left. Prime, Amazon Prime, who has all the money in the world, they can flip the bill, but. I think the people who are managing the the sports division, they're not dumb. They know what Al Heyman brings to the table. They know that he has marquee fighters, but they're not really worth what they're worth, are they? I honestly now think the deal with the PB the PBC with uh with Amazon is we will give you this platform to put on the fights. We will give you the commercials. If you're going to watch The Boys on Amazon Prime before you watch it, you're going to see a commercial for the fight. Every time you watch a TV show or a movie on Amazon Prime, you're going to see a PBC commercial. We will give you the platform. We will put up the money to put on the fight, to put the fight on when it comes down to the equipment. To the, We will give you our, our network channel to promote your fight, to put your fight on. 
but you're in charge of the venue. You will be in charge of paying these fighters. All we're giving you is a platform to showcase these men and women, boys. Which means they have to come up with these obscenely amount of money to pay these overpriced fighters. So what do you do? You can't give. You can't honestly ask people to pay eighty dollars for a Tim Zoo Keith Thurman. Can you? Can you? We'll find out. It's gonna do abysmal fucking pay per view numbers, and I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that after that, I'm assuming that that Amazon said, "Okay, we'll give you this one, but you're gonna have to start putting on real good fights for us because we're not gonna pay." Well, well, let me rephrase that. I don't think that Keith Thurman or Tim Zhu are breaking the bank for Amazon. I think for a fight like that, Amazon doesn't mind flipping the. Flipping the bill on that doesn't mind paying the bill on that one fight. Okay, cool, it's a fight. Whatever, let's put it on. Let's put it on. You know, because I doubt combined together, Tim Zoo and T Thurman are exceeding over ten million dollars. I doubt it. I doubt that whole fucking card is exceeding fifteen mil to twenty million dollars. I doubt it. I don't even think it's cracking the fifteen million mark. So I don't think they don't. They'll recoup that on ticket sales. They'll recoup that and sort of. On some of the pay-per-view They'll recoup it I honestly think They'll break even With Tim Zhu Keith Thurman I think the Amazon Prime Will break even Or maybe gain A little bit of money And a little bit Of subscriptions They'll make They'll break even I think But you're asking A Canelo Alvarez This guy's a 35 mil guaranteed They're not gonna Wanna pay 35 million A Canelo To fight Jamal Charlo He barely made weight Against Jose Benavides he was just drunk with a with a gamer on was it on fucking what's that website where the gamers play? He was drunk asking for money, asking that you know I'll come and I'll come and play video games with you. You gotta pay me. And even the guy was like, I don't pay you, man. Like I give you a platform and I get you followers. Like if you should, I have a good amount of followers. Like my followers will follow you, basically. And that's how he's basically paying you. You show up and. Next morning, you got almost a million plus fucking people following you on every social media platform, dude. Like that's what I get for you. No, but again, Amazon's not gonna want to pay. PBC knows that. So what's the best thing you can do? You can't get Benavides for some reason. Benavides is tied up. Again, this is all happening behind closed doors. But Benavides most likely is moving up. He can't make weight. Canelo doesn't seem interested. Canelo's get to me. Canelo's game plan is to fight Benavides September. Not right now. He wants Jamal. But Amazon is not willing to flip flip the bill for this. So what do you do if you're PBC? What do you do? You're not going to avoid the contract with Canelo. You need Canelo. You sold PBC. You sold you sold Amazon Canelo Alvarez fights. It looks stupid that you that you let Canelo go over the fact that you don't want to pay this man his money. So what do you do? You're PBC. You swallow your pride. And you call up Oscar De La Hoya, you call up Eric Gomez, and you say, "Hey, what's it gonna take to get you and how? What's it gonna take for you guys to work with Canelo Alvarez to do a mega fight May fourth against your guy Javi Munguia?" I mean, I'm assuming De La Hoya and Eric Gomez probably put the phone on mute and jumped up and down like little schoolgirls and said, "This much," but you know the you know the you know the you know what follow you know the follow up question is. You know what the follow-up is? The zone has to be part of it. And I'll bet you Amazon said, um, PBC goes, done. Not a problem. We'll, we'll work with you guys. Because don't make more money. 
they'll make more. To be honest, they don't. They will make more money against Mungia than they will against Jamal. I, I completely one hundred percent agree on this statement. They will make more money fighting Jaime Mungia than fighting Jamal Charlo. Both networks will make more money off of this fight. This fight does 700,000 buys, maybe even a million. Both Mexican fighters, Mungia coming off that win against John Knight Rider, Canelo, it's Canelo Alvarez. Makes sense. Jamal doesn't. I think the business model for the PBC is now we are willing to work with other promoters. We are willing to work with other fighters that are not bound to us. If it means, if it makes sense, it makes if. If it makes sense and if it makes money, let's do it. I think that's where the PBC is at now. There's no other game in town. The zone, I don't think the zone has. The zone doesn't have the money to pay for the for pay to pay for the PBC to be on there. ESPN already has top rank. Uh, UFC is negotiating, but I I still feel that UFC is gonna go to Netflix. There's no other game in town. BLK Prime, pff, forget about it. They're not there. Thriller, Jesus Christ. They're not. Let's not. Don't make me laugh. So who do you go with? Nowhere. Amazon Prime is saying they're willing to put on the fights for you. You just got to pay the fighters, and occasionally we'll flip. We'll we'll pay the bill. Occasionally we'll fucking put. We'll put the money on the table for these fights, on fights that we think they're not gonna fucking make us go broke. I feel that Amazon is smart. Why am I going to pay $35 million? Why am I going to give you $35 million if I feel I'm not going to get that money back? Just because you promised this fighter that amount. Fuck, I don't care. Figure it out. Figure it out. Bet I'll give you $35 million if you can get him against that one Mexican kid on the other side of the street. We don't care. Again, I don't think Amazon cares. They just want to put on these fights. You know, they'll flip the bill. If the fight's meaningful enough. Like I said, or it won't break the bank. Like again, I said, do you really think Keith Thurman, Tim Zhu is breaking the bank? Do you really think it hurts Amazon Prime? Do you really think it does? This is the company that you literally could tell them, hey, I, I got the wrong package. And nine out of ten times, they'll tell you, keep that one. We'll resend you the one you're supposed to get free of charge. Don't worry about it. That's the company we're talking about. This is the same company that I serviced during COVID. And they they didn't like the product. This I'll give you an example of Amazon. This is how big Amazon is. They didn't like their paper vendor. They quit them. They told them, fuck off. Leave, the, leave our premises. The vendor left. Not before he literally dumped them full of paper. They, he gave them two months worth of paper. What did Amazon do? They took they took all their this all their dispensers, all the paper product, and left it outside, in the rain. They threw. They, this is how, this is how horrible they are. Instead of giving toilet paper to, especially this was during the time we were on shortages of paper, instead of giving paper to their employees, say, "Hey guys, thank you for coming out here to work and, you know, following the COVID protocols. Here's here's a case of toilet paper. Thank you, da da da, or something. You know what I mean? Or give it give it away to the people that who really needed it." They ordered a dumpster and they dumped all that paper away. 
thousands of dollars. Dumped it. In two days, they dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars. They didn't give a fuck. The company doesn't give a fuck. They ship money. They print their own money. So again, do you really think Tim Zhu, Keith, Tim Zhu versus uh, Keith Thurman is breaking the bank for them? Fuck no. They'll Fine, we'll put that fight on. We don't give a shit. We'll put it on. But guys like Canelo Alvarez, guys like Tank Davis? Mm-mm. No. Well, first of all, I don't think Tank's a $35 million fighter. I think, I think if the rumor is true against... Uh, against Frank Then Then yeah I can see them Flipping the bill on that one Because okay Whatever Fuck it Let's do it that, That's Frank Martin uh, We'll pay for it Ryu We'll pay for it That's fine That's fine That's fine The His guarantee's not It's not enough It's not It's not Gonna It's not gonna hurt us As 35 million dollars Tank's like what A 10 15 million dollar fighter Okay cool The whole card's 20 million dollars Guaranteed I'll bet you anything. A whole tank card is almost twenty million dollars. Twenty goes to tank, the rest goes spread spread evenly through the cards to all these fighters. Guarantee you. Maybe twenty-five. See, I'm just saying. Twenty five mil. I just said tank Davis was rolling Romero, just ticket sales alone made eighty million dollars. Pay per view did a hundred uh, two hundred three hundred thousand buys at eighty bucks a pop. Do the math. They had enough money to pay back Tank his money, pay all the fighters, and still get a little bit of profit. A little bit of profit, but a, li- a little bit's a little bit. No, a little bit's better than nothing, is what I'm saying. I choose to believe that they are thinking that. That's kind of where I'm at. The next one was, um, okay, here you go. So again, Benavides, um announced that he is fighting. It says David Benavides. Da, da, da. Come on, hold on. Uh, what the hell? I thought I had it right here. My bad, boys and girls. Children of all ages. Okay, so Benavides posted up on his personal Instagram page. Very excited to announce that I will have the opportunity to fight for the WBC interim belt at 175 pounds in June. And it said, and then the caption was David Benavides set to move up to light heavyweight. In his next fight, he will face Alexander Garvaski, whatever, in June for the WBC interim belt and become a mandatory uh, for the winner of Dmitry Bivol, Arthur Bedeviev. WC uh, Marisa Suleiman has announced. This was six hours ago. Give me a second. Let me go back to the original thing. That was six hours ago. And then it says Benavides promoter Samson. Uh, Luvekovic has declared that Al Heyman's PBC has offered Canelo Alvarez a guaranteed purse of fifty-five to fight fifty-five million. I'm sorry, to fight Benavides next, who will be moving up to light heavyweight to fight Alexander. Instead, if he turns it down, so do I believe it? Do I not believe it? I said again, Canelo Alvarez is not a guy that goes on social media and announces his business. PBC is not really people that go announce their business, nor their associates go around now announcing their business. I can either I don't think they're confirming nor they're denying. But if I'm starting to think that the like I'm, my mindset is the business model has changed. PBC at this moment needs these big fights. They can't afford Jamal. The, they can't afford that fight. That's a dud. That doesn't move the needle anymore. Especially after shitty performance from Jamel. Even a a lackluster performance for Jamal. 
it's kind of hard to sell that fight. Going across the street and fucking with De La Hoya to get Munguia makes sense. Offering Canelo Alvarez a lot of money, guaranteed money to fight Benavides makes sense, especially because that's the fight everyone wants. That's the fight that everybody wants to watch. You got Stephen A. Smith, you got all these casual fans asking for this fight. That's the fight they want that needs to be made. That's the fight that would sell out that would basically sell out Allegiant Stadium. That's the fight. The 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 reason it's not being made, I don't know. I don't think fighters are scared of each other. I if there's a I don't see any other perfect time financially to make this fight. Don't see it. I don't see it. I don't like Benavidez moving up in weight. I don't like it. I don't think I don't think he's gonna lose against this guy, but I think you know, light heavyweight's a pretty murderer's role. You got Arthur Benavidez. He's old, but that guy can still punch. Demetri Bivol's a tough son of a bitch, skillful as fuck. I think a guy like Benavidez has been so used to being so used to being the bully in the 168. He's gonna find guys that he's not gonna be able to push around, and how is he gonna? How is he gonna fight? How is he gonna fight adversity like that? You're more likely to lose, and now the the fight against Canelo loses its luster. I think at this moment right now, you're the fucking monster. Mike Tyson's anointed anointing you, anointed you as the Mexican monster. This is where the fight. This is as far. This is as big and as as far as this fight can go. I think if we wait. I think if we wait another year, this fight, it's past its expiration date. It's past its expiration date. I think the PBC knows that. I think uh, Benavides knows that. I, I don't think Benavides can make 168 anymore. The fight makes sense in 168. Let's get it done. But again, like I said before, my and like I'm still kind of holding to it. But after hearing this news, I'm kind of teetering towards believing this news. But I do think Canelo is buying its time to make that the last fight. He wants that to be the last fight because he wants to go to the P, he wants to go to the zone, and then ask for a large amount of guaranteed money, three fight deal. Eddie, tell him forty million guaranteed, three fights, Mungia, Baranga, and this, and then my last fight, I pick the I pick the cruiserweight I want to fight for the belt, and I, and I call it quits. And he's not gonna call it quits. He's gonna leave and then maybe fight maybe fight Crawford. Maybe fight Crawford in Saudi Arabia. Or fight Crawford this year. He said he wants to fight four times. Fights right now. He fights in May. Fights in September. And then fights in December. Three times. Fights in December. And, um, fights in uh, December in Saudi Arabia against uh, Bud Crawford. Sepa, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think that's... that. I just think that Canelo's... Canelo has, has, a, has a schedule he wants to maintain. And that's how he wants to maintain. But the difference between that now... Doing that now to where before when he signed the PBC is PBC didn't have to worry about flipping the bill. They didn't have to worry about paying the bill. It was just showtime. Steven. Canelo versus Jamel. Okay, how much? This much. Okay, we have this. We're ready to go. We'll sign. Seal. Deliver. All right, perfect. Let's go. Let's do it. Now, the zone. I mean, Amazon's more like. Now. But again, you're fucking with business people. Amazon doesn't care about losing money. The, they again, they shit money. But if it doesn't make sense, and I feel like they're gonna, if they're gonna have to break the bank for this fight, then why pay for it? Why don't you pay for it? I'll give you, I'll give you the platform, pay for it. 
But if you want me to put my own money in, I want these fights instead. Again, the business model's changed. Especially for the PBC, I think it's changed. And what sucks for Canelo is that they're going to force Canelo to play his, play the, play his cards. I think he was playing a, a very strategic game where he, again, I'll fight Jamal, I'll fight Jamal, I'll fight Benavides, and then I go to PBC, fuck up Munguia, fuck up Baranga, and then fuck up a Cruiserweight, and then call it a night. Maybe entertain a Crawford in between. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'll entertain a Jake Paul fight. Again, I don't know. But now the timeline's being pushed. But again, the business model for the PBC has changed. So now you if it's changed, now you're gonna force Canelo to want to take these fights before he was thinking about taking it. And it's not because he's buying time, he's trying to weight train Benavides. No, I just think that if you wanted to if you want to go to uh, if you want to go across the street, again, it's not what you've done, it's what you've done, it's what you've done lately. How would it have looked? You fought Benavides in May, you did Two million buys, sold out Allegiant Stadium, and then you give us Jamal Charlo, and it's a stinker. It does four hundred thousand buys, barely sells out the T-Mobile Arena. Again, is that what you've done? Is what you've done lately? That'll be the last impression. That'll be the last taste on your mouth. The Jamal fight. How do you go to the PBC asking for? How do you go to that the zone asking for forty mil? How? How do you do that? Benavides makes sense. You end on a high note. You end. You end at top. Of the fucking boxing world. You end as the king. King Canelo. You end as King Canelo. Not fighting Jamal and pay-per-view 30. You don't do that. So I, again, that's what I think Eddie and Canelo were doing. But I think they're being they're being rushed to fight to do this fight now. Because again, the business model for the PBC's changed. It's changed. I honestly think it's changed. I honestly think I honestly think moving forward you're gonna see the PBC fucking with top rank. You're gonna see the PBC fucking with the zone, fucking with Eddie Hearn, fucking with De La Hoya. I think you're gonna see him fucking like and they're gonna they're gonna be negotiating with a lot of these fighters. So my wife texts me. Okay. I gotta say goodnight to my little one. But it was a good episode. It's a good long episode I did by myself. Very proud of it. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. Um, Edward Baranga's fighting. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Baranga. I'm not going to do the predictions. It's going to be a quick one. I have Baranga winning t- um, Saturday night. Give me a sec. Is he, he's fighting, right? Yeah, I got Edward Baranga winning 12 rounds versus um, McCorry. I got him winning. I don't think it'll be impressive. I think... Uh, I think he wins, but not impressively. But... That'll, that'll be for my predictions for this week. I'll be back next week. Hopefully, Beaver will join me. If not, I'll be a solo YOLO dolo. But don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on Instagram. It's the JMBRA Boxing Pod OG. Um, if you guys are listening on iTunes or Spotify, give us a five star rating. It helps with the visibility. If you guys want to be super fans, hit the link on our bio. Go to our link tree account. Go to the Teesprings. Get your with your Fight Club hoodie, JMBRA um, B-Ray shirts, hoodies, all that apparel. Show your support. And in the next couple weeks, we'll be announcing the Whittier Fight Club calendar. And don't forget, new episode of Ram Knuckle Hollings 284. I got Jose Ramos from the Rancio Ramos Podcast and Coach Chris from the Kicking Back Podcast LA. Other than that, folks, drink responsibly because I never do. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard.
At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. This is all I got. This is all I got.